0: Welcome to your dose of the Sideshow Hustle Podcast. Discovering world-class
1: side hustles and the hustlers behind them. Tune in for exclusive interviews, tips, tricks, and pitfalls so you can learn, start, and win. Get, get Here's your host. One, two, three, let's go. Hi team, I'm Matt welcome to Sideshow Hustle. Today's show is about taking the skills you already have, finding a marketplace for them, and creating a genuine side hustle. I personally think it's never been easier and you'd be surprised the pivots and turns your career can take once you start looking. Today's guest, Zandra Haynes, is an artist and digital animator. We'll discuss her side hustle where she lists her digital services on fiverr.com. It's basically a marketplace for selling professional services and created a six-figure hustle. I think anyone, including you, can find a way to make money selling your services online. You don't even need a website. If you're looking for inspiration, just go to Fiverr.com, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, or Freelancer.com. There are others. And take a look at the insane list of services and ideas already listed. If you see more than one person selling something, it doesn't mean that it's crowded and you shouldn't try. It probably means there's a lot of business going on around that area, and you should get into the thick of it. So we'll learn how Zandra hasn't had the easiest path to success. She's applied for jobs and been given a fat no. She's managed to turn those back into a yes. And one of these turned out to be a huge budget Apple movie. Xandra has a black belt in Taekwondo. She sold portraits all over the world on eBay from when she was young. And on that note, welcome to the podcast, Zandra Haynes.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: It's great to have you here. Let's get into it. Tell us some more about your side hustle.
0: At the moment for my side hustle I mainly offer my freelance services on Fiverr. Um, I make 3D character portraits uh, of people to use as avatars for um, VTubing which is like virtual YouTubing um, where you act behind a camera and the avatar will kind of do the acting for you. Um, And I also make Video game avatars, um, 3D trailers, cinematics and things like that. So it's a lot across like the CG and animation and 3D space.
1: Got it. So have you always had a background in animation?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: In terms of getting into it, can anyone get into it? Did you have to go to university? How did that all play out?
0: Yeah, so I, I started as an artist, like I've been an artist ever since I was a little kid. I always loved to, to paint and draw. The way that I got into 3D art and animation was I applied to a university back in Perth. Actually, at the time, I wasn't really qualified to go to university. I didn't do ATARs in high school, but I submitted a portfolio of my art to get in was something that uh, I was much better at than, you know, writing essays and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so they, they accepted me into university based on that. And, you know, at university I learned like 3D modelling, animation, rigging, texturing, all the things to kind of work for a game or film studio. And, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got into it.
1: Yeah, okay. So you've picked up the skills. You can do some of the animation work and you go out and you find yourself a normal job.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, I had a normal job ever since I was in high school. Like I worked at a retail job for, it was like eight years, but my first video game job was in during university. I got a casual job working for an indie game company in Perth um, and we we developed a zombie adventure game called um, Gull Britannia that was released on Steam. Yeah, and then after university, my first sort of big Hollywood film role was Adelaide. I moved there to work as an animator and I worked on Cats, Love and Monsters and also uh, Finch, the new movie with uh, Tom Hanks.
1: (laughs) So on that note, you've built up these skills. How do you get your way from that into doing these fairly big budget sort of films?
0: Yeah. So to get into the film studio, it was during... The end of university, so it was in my final year of university, I'd worked for um, a virtual reality company and the game studio and just done like a few other small creative, like freelance kind of role things here and there. But that was sort of the first like big position that I tried to get into. I actually applied for the same position. I applied twice. My teacher from university, he told me about the opportunity, which he knew about through his contacts. So I kind of put all my best work into an application. Um, I didn't hear back at all the first time, but I didn't. I didn't want to give up because it was something that I really wanted at that time to work in film. So I gave it a second try, and a few months later, I got a response. During that interview, they said that my skills weren't really at the level that they were looking for at the time. I was still kind of new to everything, so I didn't have any examples of realistic or uh, quadruped, which is creature um, animation so yeah it seemed like that the conversation was ending and um the interview hadn't really gone well so I kind of said that I'm a fast learner and if given the opportunity I would work really hard to exceed expectations yeah and they they asked if I could do a test uh just yeah so uh, sorry I mean I uh <laughs> I asked if I could do a test just for a few days to tr- to try and um, produce a new animation that would show them what they needed to see. And, yeah, they they agreed and I made the animation for them and then I got the job.
1: (laughs) That's a pretty ballsy move because a lot of people, they start to get the hint this interview isn't going very well. They're going to start to get a bit jaded with, well, if you don't want me, maybe this isn't a place I want to work anyway. So a bit of attitude creeps in. How do you put all of that at bay and forge ahead and say, well, actually, how about you just give me a trial? What made you think to do that? Was it desperation? Was it just the opportunity was so big? Uh, You just prepared to throw everything at it? Yeah, I
0: I think it's like, so I, I guess like in the past, going from high school to university as well, um, I wasn't qualified to really get into university, but I just kind of tried what I could to make it happen. Like I tried to go in with my portfolio and just see what I could do. I think, I guess I just always think that there's no harm in, in trying. Like if you're not hurting anyone, like, you know, it's, it's you might as well just give it your best shot and just um like, <laughs> as long as, you know, I think it's probably possible to try <laughs> too many times, like, but yeah, like it's it's definitely worth giving something a second or a third try. If if you really want something just just putting yourself forward and putting yourself out there because sometimes like on the first try someone can say no, but it's because you didn't meet a certain requirement or something like that. So if you can figure out what that is, like you can you can work around it. You can offer to change it.
1: Do you remember what it was like during this interview? It's not going well and you sort of I don't know. You're probably squirming a bit. You realize I want this, and you say, "How about you throw me some work?" Did how did they react to that? Did they respond to that positively, or did you have to fight fight to get them over the line?
0: Yeah, I I think they were hesitant for sure, but yeah, they definitely. I think I think they liked that I wanted to give it a try. Like they they let me do it. It wasn't a fight or anything like that. They were pretty happy for me to to try and offer something when they made the call. I think the call was sort of to ask me if I had anything like previously that I'd done that I hadn't included in my demo reel that I could show. So it was sort of more like, well, I can make something. (laughs) If you can give me like a few days, I can try and um, yeah, just make something new. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty introverted, I guess, like as an artist, I don't like, yeah, it's, it wasn't a situation that I was really comfortable with, but I mean, like, you know, being assertive, like was scary at the time. Like it's gotten a lot easier now, um, after a few years of it, but, uh, yeah, like at the time it was something that was pretty scary. So yeah, I was, I was really proud
1: afterwards. Yeah. Well, you should be. (laughs) Thanks. I've felt most of the opportunities have come my way. I've largely had to fight for them, So for anybody that is out there listening and wondering, thinking, I don't have enough confidence, I'm an introvert, whatever, I guess the takeaway really is that persistence and sort of demonstrating you can be a hard worker and just being prepared to do something for free to show that you can do it. There's probably a fine line there. Someone comes along and says, hey, can you just do all this animation for this whole movie for free and we'll call that a test? (laughs) That's probably not so cool and taking advantage.
0: Yeah. But there's a lot of people
1: <laughs> with success stories that would relate very much to what you've just described. So you've got the education, you're coming out of university. This job, I assume, was that a PAYG sort of thing or was it a contract job?
0: Um, It was a, it was a full-time role,
1: so yeah. So you've got a full-time role. You're doing some really cool studio work. and I guess that's where the, you were doing the Apple movie. And then you end up living in Melbourne, uh, COVID hits. And this is where the side hustle begins in earnest, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess what's going on in your life in that moment? That sort of What sort of motivated you to jump out, have a go at something on your own?
0: I guess while I was um, living in Melbourne and, and working at my my full-time job, since the pandemic sort of forced everyone to stay at home and at that at that time I lived alone. It was, yeah, before I met my partner and everything. Um, And I wasn't able to go back home and be with my family in Perth. And I really missed them. And yeah, I was just kind of living in this studio apartment, couldn't go out, couldn't really, like, I didn't really know anyone here because I hadn't had the opportunity to, you know, go out and meet people as you normally do when you move to a new place. So I pretty much just devoted all the time that I had to stay at home like around work to working on my skills and trying to think of something that I could do for myself and for my future and um, to try and think of like a business idea and and it kept me kind of excited and positive about the future just thinking about like building something. Yeah I started posting 3D models I made at first like hairstyles and clothing assets. Um, I was always kind of working on this video game on the side just as something to sort of teach myself the skills and because like I, re- I really, really enjoyed it. That's my main passion um, is just developing this video game. Um, I love it so much. So yeah, I started posting things that I created for that and um, I started earning some some money for it. And even though it was like a tiny amount for the hours which I put in, it was just a really good feeling getting that first money come through online for something that I've made and knowing that it was possible. Like if I had more products or more things out there, then it could be like a viable income to just work for myself.
1: So the side hustle, you begin posting this stuff up. Where where are you posting it to? Which platforms? Like, you know, you sort of mentioned you were doing some of your imagery, like 3D models and stuff. Were you posting it to like Instagram, Facebook? Where were you pushing this out to find interest
0: yeah so the 3d marketplaces that i was using for that um were cg trader and art Station. yeah and they were they were pretty good for just posting like a something that you've already created it's like a digital marketplace where people can go and find models that um they need for like a particular purpose that already exist
1: hmm. yeah okay and what happened? You post these things up, and what happens next?
0: Yeah, so um, I just I started getting some some sales from it. I think it, like it wasn't that much at the moment from um, CG Trader and ArtStation. I think I think I've made like seven hundred dollars or something um, from all of the models that I posted on there, which which is pretty good um, because it was just kind of things that I had that I'd made for my own projects and um, I just posted them on the side to see how it would do. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with that. But, yeah, that was it was sort of just an introduction to working for myself online, I suppose, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So you have some success, you make some money on, on those platforms and then you find yourself changing platforms?
0: Yeah, so um, I started thinking about doing work more like for clients or for other people um, because I had these these skills and I, I had, you know, this passion for what I was doing. So I was like, maybe I can offer to make a character for someone or to make a hairstyle for someone that's in 3D. Um, so I, I did, I made my first gig on Fiverr. At first, when I did that, I only saw just a small amount of interest. It was a new account. So, the reason for that is just I didn't have any credibility or reviews to my name like when I first started. But then, yeah, after being patient and leaving it there for a while, the momentum honestly started to pick up. And I, yeah, I accepted a few jobs just at a low price and I did like my best work for people um, as quickly as I could. Uh, and I received a lot of five-star reviews and a Fiverr Rising Star badge. Yeah, eventually after that, um, because it, I now had those reviews on my page um, showing that I could do good work, um, I started getting a lot of orders, like too many to keep up with. I just couldn't manage it anymore.
1: Like what sort of what sort of volume are we talking about?
0: Yeah, so I was, I was getting like... Ugh probably like 10 requests a day for new things. It was insane. Like if I if I looked at the amount of views that I was getting, I think it was like 17,000 views a week or something like that, just from memory. Like it was a lot of clicks on, on the page and yeah, just a lot of messages coming through. So yeah, I I didn't have enough time to kind of keep up with the amount of projects that I was interested in doing. And I, I just took on like my favorite ones, like the ones that sounded the best out of um, what was coming through. But uh, yeah, there was kind of so many I was passing up on.
1: When you put your listing onto Fiverr, you know, you say I'm gonna, I am going to, I will create a, you know, a three D character for you. You just tell me what you want, or what I guess people provide you with a brief and you hand it back. Yeah. So you you post that up. Like, had you searched on Fiverr to see how many people were doing the same stuff? Like, were you? one in 10 people doing this, one in a thousand, one in 10,000? What, what sort of, what was going on in the marketplace when you did that?
0: Yeah, I, I did have a search and I found it really interesting at the time. What I wanted to offer, I couldn't really see many other people doing at all really, because people were offering like character models and some people were offering rigging. I guess you can combine them into one, like, but it, as a, as a buyer, when you go to the marketplace, if you wanted someone to just create like the whole package for you and then hand it over like as a finished product in a game engine. So just this is a game asset where I can just take it and I can like be an animated VTuber or I can like use this in my game, there weren't really people offering that at an affordable price. At least not that I could see not not very many anyway. So um that was something where I was like oh th- like I can I can do the whole pipeline like that full process is something that I've learned and I can be someone's like point of contact for creating that entire thing without having to figure out like what they need themselves and order it from different sellers so yeah that that was yeah that was what was different I guess
1: for people that really don't know the industry which this is kind of the dark arts for a lot of people isn't it it's like we've all watched 3d animation and we like we sort of have this View of these artists with like weird styluses on weird sort of devices, you know, trying to get their stuff in. And then you look at the whole 3D stuff, and there's the whole like the instruction, the, the structure of underneath whatever the object is. So, like, is it bones? Like, how does how do you make something look like it's flowing or waving, like waving hair, all that stuff? Like, everyone wonders how this stuff happens. But you just mentioned. That there's the character component. You mentioned something called rigging.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: Like really in a couple sentences, are you able to sort of break it down for us so we know what are these areas and how it all holds together? Yeah,
0: 100%. So in a big studio, you usually take a drawing of a character or um, a piece of concept art like that just shows you how the character will look. That character has to be 3D modelled. So that's where you will... Um, create a 3D version of the 2D image basically by sculpting it. It's, it's kind of like sculpting with clay and then um, just you have to process it, I guess, to make it um, like a game-ready asset. So then you've got the model, which is like a 3D object. Then rigging is when you add a skeleton inside the character that you, you bind the model to this skeleton and then you can make it move. So it's basically like having bones inside the character. Then animation is when you take that skeleton that's been put inside and um, some kind of puppet controls that the uh, it's called, a like the artist that does that is called a, a rigger. Um, so then you take the controls that they've made and the skeleton that they've made and the animator will make the character move around and do a performance, so like an actor. So that's when they'll be... Um, doing facial expressions and talking and like running around and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. So when you see somebody, you see it in occasionally in a movie where they've got someone in a green suit or a blue suit with those little dots, those little white dots all over them Yeah, or might be black dots. Are they like the binding points that you bind back to the 3d characters so that it sort of all hinges together. So as that body moves around all those little binding points are actually moving the 3d model.
0: Yeah, in a way. So those um, suits which people use are called motion capture suits. And when you run around in the suits, they give you... It's like a different kind of animation. So there's two kinds of animation. One where you can directly move the character's bones. That's more of like the traditional way of doing it, where you just physically go go to the computer and you move the character around just like a puppet. With those suits that have the point on them, you're running around like an actor And um, you do a performance in this suit and then you can transfer that data to the computer and you can put it on your character. So then the character will do the same performance that you did in the suit. So, yeah.
1: All right. So you've put these jobs, these like, I guess, bundles, convenient bundles, right? So it's there's a 3D character, there's the internal structure of that character, and it's sort of sitting there hopefully so someone can drag and drop it into their universe, wherever that happens to be. And that's the bundle sitting up on Fiverr.
0: Yeah, that's right. So my gig um, that it's just called, I will create a 3D character rig, and it just means that I'll create the whole package. So the 3D character with texturing, which is like the the way that it's coloured and and yeah, just just um painted, I guess.
1: <laughs> Is that like hair or skin color all that sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like um the the colors, so like the outfit, materials, and the skin and hair, um and then also rigging as well. And I import it to the game engine, so it's basically ready to go. So if you're developing a video game, um you can tell me like your requirements of what you needed for the character, and then I can just basically give you a package that's in engine and ready to use.
1: Yeah. And so you put this package up on Fiverr and it sits there and you put a price against it. You don't have a lot of reviews. Did you do anything to try to find business to get people to go to that and have a look or did you completely rely on Fiverr and the marketplace?
0: Yeah, I, I'm actually not really, like I don't have, um, I don't really use social media or, or anything like that that much. I guess I've just never been, um, big on using it. It's, I should really get into it, but, um, it's just not something that I did in the past. So I, I pretty much a hundred percent relied on Fiverr. Like it's one of the best things about their marketplace. I think the marketing that they have is honestly fantastic. And, um, I got a lot of traffic to the gigs, which I wouldn't have gotten otherwise just through the platform. Um, I think it gave me some really great visibility and, yeah one thing that i did do was i offered a different gig at just a bit of a lower price than my main character one so the the characters which i made like it was a lot of time and effort that went into it so it was hard for me to like offer it at something really really low because i knew it was going to take me quite a while to develop so i started just offering 3d hairstyles for like 30 dollars a hairstyle and then um, that's when I started getting people interested. It was still really low, but it was um, something where I could do it in like two or three days instead. And, yeah, it was a good starting point.
1: Yeah, okay. So for anybody that was looking at Fiverr, if so they've got a skill and they've looked at Fiverr. And I mean, the beauty of Fiverr is you can have a look what everyone else is already doing. You can try and copy what they're doing and sort of compete on price. You can in your case you've put in packages that no one else seems to be doing so it's kind of an all in one and let's face it most people are time poor and fiverr fiverr tends to be a marketplace that is a bit cheaper and you go there out of convenience right you want the whole thing kind of i want just i've got a problem and i want it solved like i need a wordpress website set up i just want someone to deploy it and make it all look nice and i don't want to spend myself the next two days you know pulling my hair out trying to make wordpress look nice so i guess like yeah you've got a package that's different it stands out and you it sounds like you use pricing by you know putting in a relatively cheap price initially to get some sales to try to build up the number of five-star reviews
0: yeah that's right i think yeah thinking about it now, there's probably a few ways which would be, um, like a good way to get started. It definitely, um, making a gig that's like a lower price, um, something that you can do quickly or, um, yeah, just, uh, maybe, uh, like telling friends or family about your gigs and just trying to get some like initial reviews at first. Um, that could be a really good idea because, um, as soon as I started getting reviews on the gigs and just, um, it, it let people know that, like, I could be trusted and that I was doing good work. So that's when um, the visibility really started to pick up.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the the review thing really is quite important in terms of building the business, getting the reputation, and getting bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: I guess like if someone was looking at it, you know, they're an accountant and they. Figure out a cool way to do interview tax returns. I, I'm making something up here, but um, <laughs> I would like you know,
0: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and so they would look at it and try to figure out it. Yeah, you know, maybe they're they're, they're not going to get the full amount for a tax return straight away, but maybe they need to be smart with like offering smaller packages, where like they maybe they give like you know for twenty dollars. I'll give you the list of the hundred things that are most commonly claimed for in a tax deduction. And I'm just, I'm making that up. Like there's, there's lots of problems with that, but it's a smart way to get in front of people that are doing a tax return and looking for, you know, in this case they find like a, it might be a $5 pack of the top 200 things that you can claim in, a, in Australian tax returns. Yeah. And so they, they spend the $5 with you. They get this pack and they're like, yeah, this is really cool. And then they look at the guy and they realize you know, in all in all of his packs, down the bottom it says, I also do tax returns. Check out my other gigs on Fiverr. And lo and behold, all of a sudden he starts winning, you know, bigger jobs off of Fiverr. And the accountant and tax returns could be the worst idea that I've ever had. But it's for people listening, it's it's a smart way to break down what am I trying to do? And I've got one gig that I really want to do and that's where I think I'm going to make a lot of money. But what are the small things I can do to bolt on that are like a gateway drug for my customers to like find me, trust me, and give me more of their work. I think that's probably, you know, really important, especially in a crowded marketplace where if you're just trying to break in and you want a you know, high price and you've got no reviews, no one's probably going to do it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, that's, it, that's really true. And I think one thing that's happened in the past as well is when, like, if I do good work for people, like, they've bought a gig from me and they really like the result, um, usually they like to come back for future work as well. So they'll come back to you for, for more services or, like, different things that you have on offer. So, um, yeah, definitely once you have um, built up, like, a following, um, it's a lot easier uh, like
1: in the future yeah okay so the work that you did for the studios like you know I hear it and I'm like oh this is awesome like you know Finch was a film Thanks. released <laughs> recently on um, Apple TV and you hear that and go that's that's really cool but it's not really something that you promote in your gigs either is it like you don't really leverage that part of what you are on Fiverr right
0: yeah, no, I um, like sometimes if clients ask me, I'll, I'll talk about my past history in, in film or things like that. Um, I do say that I was an animator in, in film and games for a certain number of years, I guess. Yeah, just in my portfolio. But yeah, because I was an animator, I think, at the studios and now I like to offer um, sort of like, you know, the, the full package, so modeling, rigging, animation Yeah, I guess I just never really went into specifics that much. Yeah.
1: So the first sale that you had on Fiverr, was it one of the hairstyles?
0: Yeah, it was. It was, um, yeah, just a a hairstyle that someone needed for their game character. Um, I think I did it for like $30. Um, And then the one after that, it was someone just looking for some rigging help. So I just had to make a skeleton for a character um, it was just really small things at first.
1: And what did it feel like when you got that first job? Like, I'm guessing Fiverr. If there's an, I don't know if they have an app or if it's through the website, but you get some kind of notification, right, that you won a job.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I was, I was in the moon at first. Um, yeah, it was honestly, it was really cool getting that first order, and um, I felt, yeah, I don't know, just really excited to work on it and finish it. Um, I did it as quickly as possible, like as soon as it came through, I was like oh, wow, like this is my first um, kind of freelance job. So um, it was super exciting. Yeah, like I had to learn to manage my time really quickly because as I started getting more orders at first, I think that was probably the hardest part, like trying to scope projects. So trying to figure out like how long I needed for each one. And yeah, just trying to make sure that I delivered everything on time and, and gave the same amount of attention to um all of the different projects that were going on. Um that was I had to learn that really quickly.
1: Are there any because one of the big things is obviously getting the five star review. Have you got any tips there for like keeping customers happy? Is it is it purely turnaround time? Is it communication? What are the the key elements that people are looking for?
0: Yeah, definitely. I've found that communication and showing stages of the project are number one for me. So turnaround time it didn't really matter so much um i think that people are so it does matter if someone's got a deadline like if someone tells you that they have a deadline then you have to meet it you know but a lot of the people that reach out to me they might not have like a specific deadline but it's more about that they want to be like just really happy with the final project um product and they want it to look exactly kind of how they imagined at the start so that's really um It's important to communicate with them and try and figure it out early, whether it's like talking about their concept to them and just asking different questions about it, like um, about the colors or about the materials on the concept. And then I like to show in a few different stages. So I'll show when I've got um, an initial sculpt of the character, just um, grayscale, like black and white. You know, just so that they can see the proportions, um, how it's looking, and then I'll show them with the materials and textures on, so in color. Um, And then uh, I give them kind of a, a scene file so that they can test it out and make sure that everything's working okay, and that's more towards the very end. Yeah, I think... I think if you just hold on to the gig for the whole time and don't really talk to them about it and then show them at the end, um, usually people aren't happy with that because there might be some things that they wanted to change along the way, uh, which are a lot harder to change once you get to the, the final stage.
1: Yeah, that's probably good advice. Like anything that is going to take a bit of time, keeping the customer in the loop but hey, tracking, and sending them bits and pieces that they can see progress. That way they can kind of guess it. Really what you want to try and do is avoid any surprise because no one, no one likes a surprise with this stuff. Yeah. Um, And not all surprises are good, are they? No, Um,
0: definitely (laughs) So,
1: yeah, I guess that's probably for anyone that's doing it is, you know, maybe there is this, if it is a bigger, it's only if it's a bigger job and there's a bit of creative component to it that like keeping people informed along the way, they can kind of make corrections early, saving you a whole bunch of rework later.
0: Yeah, I also um, I try to be really upfront with people if a skill that they're asking for or something that they're asking for is not something that I currently know how to do. Um, so it might be something that I'm willing to try, but I'll tell them that at the start if I haven't done it before, um, and like usually i won't take on jobs if it's something that's really really new to me or not really in my wheelhouse because i think that i should experiment with that in my own time first and figure out how to do it but if it's someone who really wants me to do something i'll be really honest with them and just say that you know i haven't done this before i'm willing to give it a try but it might like take a little bit longer and um just so that they have that expectation
1: yeah that's awesome advice i was chatting to a another hustler uh, a couple of days ago and the advice he gave was stop trying to be everything to everyone
0: yeah that's good advice
1: <laughs> yeah and to like focus in on the bits that make you the most money and if you stay in and around that area it might get a bit boring the same the same types of jobs all the time but there's never any surprises so he, in this case he was actually a diesel mechanic And he was doing all sorts of diesel jobs, and he decided that, well, he actually sought external advice because he found that they were taking on diesel jobs on a truck that they've never seen before, like a a, you know a brand of truck that worked on, and they got stuck, and they're like, well, you know, we're on Google and YouTube trying to figure out how to do this thing, wasting all their time, and so in the end they just went, that's it, we're cutting out all these jobs, we're only going to focus on one type of truck, that's it. And he said the minute that they did that, the money just started to scream in because all the people that drove those types of trucks raved about them. They were very quick. They had spare parts for all of it. And I, I kind of presume that like, I mean, most professions are the same, right? Like if you're a, I don't know why I keep coming back to accountants today, but if you're, if you're an accountant and you're focusing purely in and around your know, tax advice then you're going to build a pretty strong library of solid tax advice if it's for individual tax returns. Whereas like, you know, there's all sorts of other areas in accountancy that they could be focused on like, you know, I don't know, trust accounts or corporate stuff. I mean, you know, it's a long list, but honing into one area is probably pretty smart advice so that you have the confidence that you're going to deliver and, you probably learn all the tips and tricks that you just said about setting expectations with the customer very early, and they know what they're going to get, and hooray, you get a five a five star rating.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think most of most of the gigs that I've taken that have been really difficult for me were where I didn't like early ones where I didn't know exactly how to do what I was being asked to do. But yeah, I've stopped taking ones like that now um it's a lot easier to to kind of at least for like projects that you do for other people to just keep it within your current skill set um because you're really comfortable with it but it's definitely fine to practice and learn new skills in your own time but yeah just for for the projects i just find it's a lot easier when i already know exactly what i'm going to do
1: so let's i'm going to presume that it hasn't been 100 percent smooth sailing what what sort of jobs have you had that haven't gone well?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I well, I've, I probably can't talk about a lot of jobs in specific, but I think... Sorry,
1: how did it derail? Yeah, Where it, did something go wrong? Yeah, definitely. It sort of caught you by surprise. Yeah,
0: cool. Um, okay, I think, I think um, what happened was that I took on too many projects um, when I started kind of scaling up and... Um, you know getting other people involved in doing some um tasks for me i i started taking on probably more than i could manage because i was really excited about it you know at the time it was like you know wow this is going really well and there's so many projects that i'm interested in um i just yeah didn't sleep for a few weeks <laughs> it was really tough um it was really really tough cuz i felt like you know I really wanted to have this business and I didn't want to disappoint anyone, but I just barely had any time. Um, you know, I was like just really struggling, like staying at home all the time. Like I wouldn't go out or, um, I basically didn't have time to, to, yeah, like talk to anyone really. I was just, um, in front of the desk all the time. time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You're
1: working full time. And then, So working full time, stuck at home, COVID lockdowns, you've now got, you know, this side hustle that's kind of going crazy on the side and just getting way too many jobs. I guess, firstly, how did, like, so, you know, aside from working your ass off and getting all the jobs done, how did you sort of stem the flow of jobs?
0: Yeah, so my, my first thought was that I would just kind of, um, cut it off for a while. And I did that a couple of times. Like I put my gigs on pause and, um, uh, yeah, I just didn't look at them for a little bit. I only focused on the ones that I have, but yeah, then, um, I guess my partner gave me the suggestion, like, why don't you just put the prices up to the point where, um, you know, you would be happy if someone, if someone actually bought a gig because, it would it would be worth it like it would be worth staying up and spending all this time on it and um yeah like not not getting any sleep and stuff so yeah I, I put it up quite a lot to to the point where um I was like surely no one will uh go for this now like it's it's quite a lot but actually it was probably about the amount of hours that I was putting into it like it would be worth it yeah and and the interest actually didn't really go down. Um, I just started getting interest from different kinds of clients. So now businesses and studios interested in outsourcing rather than quick jobs. It started being people that would be willing to wait for a longer time for like a high quality product. And um, that actually made things a lot easier. Yeah, I did. I did start getting um, a few less jobs, but um, I was earning like a lot more from the things that I was making. So um yeah it was a really good move.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's really awesome advice for anybody listening is that you know just what you've just described is the classic how people start up which is no one knows you you're starting from scratch you need to prove yourself you need to either work as an intern for free or do a you know a proof of concept which you did for the studios. Or you do really cheap sort of work on one of the the gig platforms. And then, you know, you build up the reputation, i.e. you build up the five, in this case, five-star reviews. And then you get a following, you get swamped with work because people who are reliable, good communicators and their price is right, they get very busy very quickly. And then I think the next bit that you've just described is super important, is to understand the true value of what you're delivering. And it's it is very difficult for people that are in a startup mindset because their view is a bit like maybe people don't want to pay for this. Maybe I'm too expensive. Like no one would ever want to pay that. That's crazy. But as you start putting the price up, and I think, you know, I go by the motto that if 50% of your customers aren't whinging that the price is too high, then you're probably too cheap. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, pushing that true. price up. Yeah, pushing that price up and then testing the boundaries of where people are prepared to go, uh, I think is it's a fascinating journey. And you can do other things to add value here. That if you're pushing the price up like this, then you can spend a bit of extra time to, you know, maybe pick up the phone and have a chat to the customer. Like you know, if it's a thirty dollar, you know, hair, hair what is it, was it, hairstyle? Yeah. Then like, you know, you're probably not on the phone for half an hour having a chat about the job. It's look at the description whack together this hairstyle and send it out whereas if all of a sudden you're in for many thousands of dollars for a job you I, I imagine that you're going to be able to put a bit of extra time into your customer service part
0: yeah and uh,
1: continue to have raving customers
0: yeah a hundred percent and I think that's what I enjoy the most about it as well because now that I'm charging higher prices and offering like a better service well yeah I, I have more time to really spend with the the client to figure out like their needs and expectations um i now that i'm Fiverr pro as well i can um call like go on on calls with them so um yeah i've developed really good relationships with my existing clients i guess and um yeah it's it's just like a really good feeling doing the the projects that i do i'm passionate about the jobs that they give me and it makes all the difference, I guess. Like when it's just a short, quick turnaround of something that um, someone that you don't know, they really want that like really quickly, um, it can be quite stressful. But when you start charging more and doing like longer term projects and um, really like being able to give the time to people, then I think you just, you can do projects that you're more interested in and more passionate about because there's just more time to commit to it.
1: So in the first sort of three to six months, you're working in your job and you've taken on this side hustle doing these extra bits and pieces. What sort of dollars did you bring in through like Fiverr and, you know, over this first three to six months? What did it look like as a side hustle?
0: Yeah. So in the first few months, like from memory in the first month, I think I earned like $700 for the whole month. The second month, I think I earned like a 1000 you know, and it, it just kept going up from there until the point where in the sixth month um, I had about – I had earned about 60000 Australian dollars from being on yeah, Fiverr. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it was like a slow start, but it picked up really quickly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then where is it taking you now? So are you still working with this as a side hustle?
0: Yeah, I am. Um at the moment, I have, um, yeah, like I have $20,000 worth of orders lined up for this current month that I'm doing. Like I finished some of them already and um, yeah, I still have a few, a couple to go. And I'm also doing some external projects for, you know, clients and businesses that I was in contact with before as well. Yeah, just just people that I knew from beforehand, just um, sending me emails or Um, maybe reaching out through other platforms now that um, I have like more of a reputation.
1: Yeah. So this is something I tend to ask everybody. When you first started this, did you have any other ideas to make money? So like was there anything else competing against this idea of, you know, coming up with um, characters and rigs and bundles on Fiverr? Was there anything else that you'd thought about but didn't do?
0: Yeah, definitely. My My main idea was to make character model packs. It's something that like quite a few people are doing. Um, I wanted to make and develop my own characters, like sets of characters that people could use in video games. So like a pack of NPCs or like a pack of fantasy characters, something like that. I think maybe I'll still do it one day, but yeah, that was the idea at the time.
1: What what swayed you towards what these bundles that you're doing now?
0: I think just I started seeing money coming in from Fiverr a lot more quickly. So I was working on those model packs and stuff, but I hadn't had time to sort of finish and publish one because there was a lot of work um, that needed to be done for it. And, you know, I was working full-time and um, just doing a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, I just, I never never really got around to kind of, like, finishing one and and publishing it. It was a lot of work to to get it to that stage where it would be ready because I was talking about, like, Models that could have like the color of the armor or the clothing changed, like you can change the skin and hair color, um, that sort of thing. So a bit customizable, and it would have taken a lot of time. But then with with like Fiverr just started taking off so quickly. So yeah, I just jumped on that, I guess.
1: <laughs> okay, so it feels like because a lot of people they talk about like testing the market with their ideas to see what ideas will take off or not. It feels like it feels like you had some ideas that were like slow burners but then others where you could just really quickly describe what you would do, put it up, and just see what happened. And lo and behold, one of those took off, which is then what starts driving in all the work.
0: Yeah, definitely. I always I always wanted to make my own video games, which is like my like just big passion project, which I work on on the side all the time. So whatever was kind of like I looked at so many ideas that were similar to that that would teach me more about like what I needed to know to make this game. So then they would, I guess, fuel the development of the game because I would be learning things about it like while I worked as well and that I would have more free time to do that.
1: Yeah, I guess that probably leads to the next question. Like, okay, so the, you've got the side hustle still ongoing. What what are your plans for the future? Like is it, are you happy just doing the gig sort of stuff and you know, maybe that you know, it sounds very profitable. It sounds like you're into the six figures potentially. Do you like the studio work? Does that, is that what keeps you relevant? And then the gig work just keeps the money coming in? Like how, does it, how do you see it all unfolding?
0: Um, I I really like doing freelance projects on Fiverr for people. I think it's something that I've become really passionate about because I can, you know, like the, the projects that I get, are really interesting and they're really new and fresh each time so i think it's something that i'm going to keep doing for a long time um, but i probably will taper it back to just um have a little bit more free time because uh like i said like my main passion in in life pretty much is working on this video game and i want to finish it um, so eventually my dream is to um finish my game which i'm working on with my my sister and her partner and then um, well, we want to start a game studio to to work on its development. Like we want to release a you know a demo first to um, see if we can get funding to start. Like uh, because we'll we'll release a first a first pass, so like an early access or um, a, a demonstration of the game at first. And then um, we'll try and get funding to build a studio and to turn it into like a bigger game. And that's yeah. That's always been my dream.
1: Yeah, that's pretty exciting. So your sister is in game development, or, or is she an animator as well?
0: Yeah, she is. Um, she is a game uh, programmer. Um, she works in Perth, so it's it's pretty strange that we both turned out in video games. I guess we just both grew up with them, but um, I ended up a game artist, and she ended up a game programmer, so we can work together really well. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be amazing. It'll be interesting to see how how it all unfolds. Like, you know, where do you find funding for the, the game studio and how it all unfolds?
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We're planning on making just a big, um, you know, like really, well, hoping to make a big and really visually impressive demo um, that showcases, like, everything that you can do. And then hopefully, um, you know, we'll just put it wherever we can and um, try and see if anyone's interested in taking it on
1: yeah when you started did you have a a business plan or was it just meh? let's just see what happens
0: yeah to to be honest I I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do it just kind of developed over time after putting it on there and getting interest I just sort of gauged what was working and what wasn't and that informed my decisions
1: okay did you have any third-party help that you said about your partner gave you some advice on your pricing the packs more expensive etc was there any other sort of trusted advisors that you used
0: so i i actually so i didn't have any like professional advice or anything like that but i used to listen to business um podcasts so kind of like this when i was working in the game studio i would just listen to them while i was working um, I listen to Bigger Pockets podcast, and um, so the business one, and then the real estate one as well. Like I invest in real estate too, <laughs> yeah. And then my my granddad, when I was younger, he used to run his own business, and my my dad, he's an author who works for himself now as well. Um, he just kind of sells his books online, and you know, like I saw both of them growing up, and they just seem so free. Like my dad just, he lives at home. He just writes his books and um, (laughs) plays video games and kind of looks after the garden and that's his life. And I was like, that seems awesome. Like you have so much freedom and yeah, he was just already living that like super financially free life, I guess. Um, I saw that and I was like, wow, it's really possible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. And that's why I think a lot of people are interested in, side hustles and I guess why the podcast come came to be because we wanted people that were sitting on the sidelines wondering and daydreaming about the side hustle to try to figure out how to get them motivated and get them out there so that they can uh, achieve whatever goal it is for a lot of people it's financial for some it's a hobby a lot for a lot of people it starts with passion it's like what do I really like doing and then how do I try, how do I make money out of it so yeah, that was the goal of the podcast was to get people into action because I think for every person that I meet like you, I think there, there are a hundred people that are not doing anything and that they dream of it, but they might be time poor, the financially, they don't have the, the means to get started. I, that's probably a good question. What, what sort of dollars did it take to get started with this side hustle?
0: I think it would have been hard to get started if I wasn't in a full time job or like a a, a position like because um you know I, it would have been hard for me to just quit and just do it straight away so it was good to um like have a job while I was studying but um, I didn't spend any money to to begin um actually doing this
1: yeah okay so no marketing no yeah something. no. Yeah, and you used a you know a computer that you probably already had and away you went.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think because of the marketing through Fiverr, like marketing probably would have been really expensive without that, but um, Fiverr's marketing was, was really, really good. Um, so that made it super easy. Like all I did was just post the gig on there and then um, that was pretty much it.
1: So aside from putting the price up on your product, have you got any other advice for how you fit your side hustle in and around your main job?
0: Yeah, so I think that when, when I take on a gig, um, I really have to think about all of the, all of the steps that I'm going to have to go through to finish it, um, really from start to finish. At first, I kind of just, I would just estimate without really thinking about like every single step And I would often underestimate how long it would take. Yeah, it can be super easy to underestimate how long something's going to take you and then just end up, you know, with way too much work on your plate. So, um, yeah, I think just being really upfront and honest about whether or not you can't do something, whether you have time for something, um, don't take on too many things at once. Um, Taking on too many things at once was definitely what got me in trouble, a lot of the time, like that's where I went wrong. So many times I kept making that mistake over and over and I still probably do a little bit. Um, Like it's not that bad anymore, but
1: (laughs) How how do you say no to people now? Because I think that's possibly, you know, nobody likes to disappoint. No one sets out with the expectation of failure at the start. So like you undertake all these things, hoping that it all works out for the best, but it does reach a point where you have to say to somebody no i can't do that or look this isn't working out for whatever reason how do you approach that cuz you said that you're you know you're more tending towards being introverted you know the the conflict side of just saying no how how did you come to rest more comfortably with that
0: yeah it was really hard at first to say no, especially when you're excited about taking on a project and it feels like everything's just taking off but i um I sat down and I wrote out like a few different messages that I could send to people that just basically said, You know I'm really sorry, I'm too busy at the moment to take on any more work. yeah, I just have too much on my plate and then um I I used Fiverr's, they have some quick responses, so you can enter in like a few responses and it just really helps like to come up with, um, you know, a fast response to someone to just say you're too busy.
1: Mm, Yeah, okay, so you sort of put some scripts in place to um, manage the flow of customers.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: In terms of Fiverr, the platform, I've noticed that they have these things levels, like level one, level two, there's pro stuff. Does it make a difference to try to climb the ladder in Fiverr? Like, is like what does it matter? What is, what's the benefit to you?
0: Yeah, I think so. So it's kind of like you were saying before, uh, Fiverr can have like the reputation of being somewhere that you go to find um, quick work when you have a problem. I think Fiverr Pro is more targeted towards businesses, so bigger clients and um, people who will expect really good work to be done. So, um, yeah, I recently got made Fiverr Pro and um, I think it's really helped with the types of clients that um, are interested in my work.
1: Yeah, okay. So you're seeing a change in the customers?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just more um, bigger studio projects. It's
1: one thing that a lot of people will struggle with when they go into this, like whatever their side hustle is, is having the perfect solution versus one that's kind of good enough i guess a lot of artists would suffer i know i struggle with it is like trying to have everything kind of perfect before handing it back to a customer like the kind of letting there's a certain stage where you just have to let it go how do you draw that how do you draw that line
0: yeah i that's that's something that was sort of um like it's relevant in full-time work as well and i think over time i've sort of Learn to show the client at the earliest stage possible and more like get an opinion on whether they're ready to accept it rather than deciding for myself. Like you can hold on to something a lot longer when you haven't shown the client yet because you're thinking like they might not want to accept it. It could already be fine, but because you're like still holding on to it, perfecting it and everything, uh, you can get in your own head, I guess and try and hold on to it for a little bit more with all of these little things that you want to fix i think at the end of the day the client is the one who's accepting or um, choosing whether there's something to change with the work so if you just show them and say like it's work in progress is there anything that you want me to change Um, then you can get good feedback about the things that you actually have to do
1: yeah okay we're getting pretty close to the end in terms of the financial side of the business how did you handle the bookkeeping?
0: Um yeah, I use QuickBooks at the moment. I found it was really easy to just do it automatically, so um I get emails for my receipts and it's all automatically connected and it just goes through there. so um I don't have to kind of enter everything into a spreadsheet or something like that.
1: Yeah, okay. Like, did you start off doing it with a spreadsheet, or did you go straight to QuickBooks?
0: Yeah, I started off on a spreadsheet, and I just found that I wasn't keeping up to date with it, and it scared me a little bit because I know, like, how dangerous it can be to not record everything and to not keep your taxes in check. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I started looking for something just more automatic because um, it was getting out of control.
1: Yeah, okay, how did just randomly? How did you choose QuickBooks over zero over all the others?
0: Um, I just tested them both out, so I did a trial, and I found that QuickBooks was easier for me to use at the time. Mm. Yeah, it was. It just seemed to be like really easy to the interface and everything.
1: Yeah, okay. I guess open mic. Uh, is there a question that I should be asking you, or do you have any sort of final tips or tricks for anyone that's looking at the kind of the gig economy? and looking at these, you know, these platforms like Fiverr. Have you got any advice for them about, like, how to start, where to start, you know, pitfalls? I guess it's open.
0: Yeah, sure. I think maybe just I couldn't have done anything like this if it wasn't something that I really, really, really love to do. Um, It would have just been, like, too hard. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's possible to start like a business with something that you're not really passionate about, but just for me with like a creative thing and getting so much um, feedback, like sometimes it's not positive, you know, sometimes like feel like you're being pulled in a hundred different directions all at once. And even when you try your best, like people can still be really disappointed in you, but if you love it and you know what you're working towards, it kind of makes it all worth it. I think I would have given up if it was something that I wasn't like completely passionate about. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I think what you've described is probably 80, 90% of people that have a side hustle start off with just something they really enjoy because if they blow 20 hours doing something, it doesn't feel overly awful because they love doing it anyway I think one bit of advice you gave back earlier was excellent around if you've got a bigger picture goal, what can you do that helps you learn more about achieving your bigger picture goal? So, in the case of you know learning, what you, you implied like a four-legged animal, but what do you call it? Quadra something? Uh,
0: quadrupeds.
1: <laughs> quadrupeds. So you talked about quadrupeds, and it's like you know some, someone comes along and says, "Hey, can you do this?" And you're like, mm, "No, but I'd love to. I'd love to learn it." And, you know, if you're mentally thinking for your bigger picture, like, well, look, the game that you're building might have, you know, some four-legged animal beast in it, that like this actually just adds to my portfolio of skills that makes my life better in the future. So I'm going to do a deal with this person and, you know, I'm going to happily spend 20, 30, 40, 80 hours on this thing so I can get my head around it. Was if you had no passion and no enthusiasm and no big, big ticket item, it would be the most excruciating <laughs> 40 hours of your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It always feels like when things blow out, at least it's because I'm learning something that I didn't know before. Cause that's why it's taking longer. Like, cause I didn't know how to do it. So at least like it's teaching me something, which is really valuable. And next time I can do this for someone like much faster. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, Xandra Haynes, thanks for coming on the show. It's been super insightful and I really appreciate it. I think a lot of people will look at your story and think there's a common thread that they can use for what they want to do and that sometimes it's as easy as posting the job up and seeing
0: what will happen. That's awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You've been listening to the Sideshow
0: Hustle Podcast.